0: We're the Forgotten Generation, a misplaced slice of the 20th century when birth rates were as low as expectations for the future. We lived under the threat of constant nuclear annihilation, playing outside, but always inherently knowing the future was indoors. We are the second half of Generation X. We were some of the first to play video games, program home computers, and record CDs to cassette mixtapes. Our generation was nourished by New Wave, Imperfect Punk Rock, and John Hughes movies. We built Web 1.0 from the ground up using our childhood 8-bit and 16-bit programming skills. They call us Gen X. We prefer the vertical blank generation, where magic happens between the lines, because that's where we live, love and thrive. We are Generation Atari. Hi, this is a special Father's Day episode of Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari. What follows is an encore version of one of the first stories from Into the Vertical Blank. It's from Season 1, Episode 2. It's named Claw Hammer. It's not really a story about Atari or video games, but it is a story about a long, memorable weekend I spent with my dad and my brother in 1977. We received a lot of great responses from this story the first time it ran, and I'm very happy to share it with you again. This is Claw Hammer. Claw Hammer Part 1 The Mission When I was seven years old, my dad gave me a claw hammer. It was summertime, just after a particularly wet spring. So wet, in fact, that the roof of the garage leaked in several places. My dad decided to fix it himself. It was Saturday morning. I was on the couch watching the super friends. We are going to Builder's Emporium, my dad declared. He was in the kitchen going through his normal routine before he left the house. He finished his coffee. He opened the vitamin cupboard and took out a handful of pills to supplement his day. He grabbed a handful of raw pecans, a banana, and headed out the screen door. My brother and I followed behind him. We climbed into my dad's four-door international pickup truck and headed out on whatever quest he had in mind. As we drove, my dad told us the plan. We need to fix the garage roof, and you two are going to help me. My brother and I stayed silent, listening to hear what this meant. Before I met your mom, I worked on roofing jobs in Seattle. We can fix the entire garage roof ourselves. I had no idea what this plan entailed, but if my dad was into it, then I was going along with it, no questions asked. We drove a couple of miles down to the corner of Inglewood and Manhattan Beach Boulevard and parked in the Builder's Emporium parking lot. At the store, my dad filled a cart with all the things we needed for the job, rolls of roofing tile, tar paper, and a huge box of roofing nails. As he pushed the cart towards the checkout, he said, wait, one more thing. We took a detour down the tool aisle and stopped in the hammer section. He looked around a bit and then chose two identical hammers from the racks. They both had iron claws painted black with solid wood handles. He gave one to my brother and one to me. "'Tools of the trade,' he said. "'There is nothing more useful than a good claw hammer.' He turned the cart around and we headed to the checkout lanes. My brother and I each carried our new claw hammers to the checkout." Part two, the work site. I'll pay you each 50 cents an hour, but you have to do everything I say, my dad told us. My brother and I were standing in the back back, behind the garage, next to a pile of roofing supplies, listening. First thing, get your hammers. My brother and I both went for the supplies at the same time. I reached for my hammer, but my brother was sure it was his. We were seven-year-old twin brothers who shared everything. Sometimes we just wanted to stake a claim to something of our own. We started to argue. That's mine, I said. No, it's mine, my brother responded. I grabbed the handle and my brother grabbed the claw, each pulling in the opposite direction. Stop, I said. No, my brother said. My dad quietly watched us for a bit. Then he spoke. Do you want me to get you two girls a couple of purses so you can fight this one out? It was inappropriate. It was not politically correct in the least but it was totally my dad. It stung and it worked. I stopped in my tracks and let go of the hammer. My brother took it and I picked up the identical one next to it. It felt good in my hand, solid. The wood was smooth and the slight curves in the handle were inviting to hold. We both stood at attention and listened to what my dad had to say next. started up like nothing had happened. First we need to remove the existing tiles from the garage. You do it like this. My dad climbed onto the roof of the garage. It was a very short climb as the back back was about eight feet higher in elevation than the ground the garage stood upon. This meant you could easily access the roof from there. Even seven-year-old boys could do it with the help of a step stool. My dad stood up on the roof and walked over to a row of tiles. "'He sat down and started pulling up on one of the rectangular pieces. "'The tile gave way just enough to pull out the end of the existing nails. "'He then slipped the claw hammer underneath them and yanked them free. "'Then he grabbed the tile with a gloved hand, "'freed it, and tossed it into the brush of the backpack. "'He put the old nails in an empty Folgers coffee can. "'One down, a thousand to go,' he said. "'Now get up here and get started!' Besides a hammer, my dad supplied us both with a pair of gloves and a pair of goggles, just in case something got near our eyes. My brother and I both climbed up on the roof using a step stool and started working. Under the mid-morning sun, sweat came easily, and the goggles fogged up very quickly. I had to remove them several times before I finished even one tile. The first tiles were difficult, but after a few, we got the hang of it. I jammed the claw of the hammer underneath the tile and twisted it down, pushing the handle towards the garage roof. The tile sprang up, exposing the nails that had once held it in place. I removed the nails with my glove hand and put them in the coffee can, just like my dad showed me. What would have been impossible for a seven-year-old kid without the tool became a simple, repeatable task with a claw hammer. After an hour, my dad announced, "'You each just earned fifty cents.' The idea of getting 50 cents an hour was as much motivation as my brother and I needed, even though the sun was hot and beating down on us. We kept going for at least another three hours before we stopped for lunch. After lunch, we spent the rest of the day up on the roof with my dad, pulling up tiles with the claw side of the hammer, removing the nails, putting them in the Folgers coffee can, and then throwing the tiles in the backyard. As we worked, my dad told my brother and I stories about his childhood. Stories we had never heard before that day. Your granny and gramps sent my brother John and I to a boarding school named Manumet when we were kids, he started. Why did they send you there, I asked. My dad took a long pause before he answered. He pulled out the tile he was working on and tossed it off the roof. It hit the ground a bit harder than the ones he had previously thrown. Um... Because it was the Great Depression and they didn't have any money to keep us around. Manumet's school was on a farm in New York State. It was like an orphanage for kids whose parents had to work in the city. As long as we worked on the farm, we could go to the school for free. What did you do there? My brother asked. We farmed, we camped, we fished. We even got to ride horses sometimes. There was a movie theater and a store in town where we could buy six pieces of candy for a penny. It sounds like fun, I said. I hated every minute of it, my dad replied. They sent me there when I was four years old. One day my mom, dad, John, I and Poochie the dog were a happy family and the next day my mom drove us out to the end of that road and dropped us off. She never told us what was happening. She just drove away and the people at school took us in. How long were you there? My brother asked. Eight years until I went to high school. I never saw Poochie again. My parents moved to a small apartment in new york so there's no room for us we were allowed to come home just a couple times a year i couldn't imagine this i lived in the same house with my twin brother two sisters my mom my dad and the cats it had always been that way and i was pretty sure it would always be that way but my dad continued i recall the first winter when i realized we would not be going home for christmas I begged my mom to send me my ice skates, so at the very least, I could skate in the pond at school. She never sent them. In the summer, we didn't go home either. Instead, we were sent to live with family friends in Pennsylvania. My brother hated me for it. Your brother hated you, I asked? I looked at my brother. We argued sometimes, but we never hated each other. Oh, yeah. He was older than me. He blamed me for having to go away. He said everything was fine until you came along. He beat the crap out of me any chance he got. My dad stopped pulling up nails and looked up at my brother and I. We both stopped using our hammers so we could hear what he had to say. I told myself at the time he started, if I ever had kids on my own, I would never send them away, and I would never make them go to boarding school. He continued his pause, then he reached down, and pulled up a fresh tile, and removed the nails. The conversation was over. My brother started back up too. We worked the rest of the afternoon. I thought a lot about what my dad had told us. It unlocked some of the mysteries about my dad's father. Now I knew why Gramps never shared any stories about my dad's childhood with me. He didn't know any. He was never around. We managed to pull up all the tiles of the roof by 5.30 of that evening. Time to knock off, my dad said to us. Good work, men. That was ten hours today, so you each earned five dollars. Let's get out early tomorrow so we can get up here and finish the job. My brother and I went into the house and ate dinner of chili and hot dogs, our usual Saturday meal. By seven o'clock that night, both of us were tired and sore and ready for bed. We went into our room and got out our static baseball game. Five dollars each, I said as I pulled the first batter from my stack of player discs. I laid down Babe Ruth on the spinner and flicked the arrow. Yeah, my brother said. What should we do? Hmm, maybe we can go to Toys R Us tomorrow, I said. Toys R Us, yeah, my brother replied. The spinner stopped on strikeout. Babe Ruth had a lot of home runs in his days, but he struck out even more. Okay, I said. We'll see if Mom can take us tomorrow afternoon. And don't forget, if we work hard enough tomorrow, we can make even more money. As always, I went to sleep in my own bed that night. It was not much of a bed, mind you, as it was just a half piece of foam mattress laid on a piece of plywood. My brother had the same, yet sleep felt comfortable and nice. I was in my own house with my brother, my sisters, my cats, and my parents. It was not the Great Depression, and I was not at some boarding school in New York away from everything I knew and loved. Part 3. A Hole Burned in My Pocket We woke up Sunday morning and both jumped out of bed ready for the work day. It was still early when we went out to the kitchen to see what was going on. My mom was at her seat at the kitchen table, sipping coffee and playing solitaire. My dad was at the counter, grinding corn to make his corn cakes. Next to the grinder was a bowl of my dad's infamous health concoction, grape juice, egg whites, and pecans. We kids affectionately called it Pink Party Puke. We will start working in an hour, boys, my dad said. This gave my brother and I just enough time to get dressed, eat a couple of corn cakes, and watch a half an hour Tom Hatton's Popeye show on Channel 5. My dad made corn cakes with blueberries, which meant I spent a lot of time eating around them, as the texture was a bit like biting into a dead spider on a piece of cardboard. Just after an episode of Super Chicken, my dad announced that it was time to get back out and finish the job. My dad spent the first half hour preparing the tar paper for the roofing job. We watched him roll the tar paper, approximate the length of the roof, then cut it. He did this several times until he had enough to cover the whole thing. My brother and I climbed up onto the now bare roof from the back and helped my dad lay down the tar paper in long strips and then nail it into place. After starting each nail with a few taps, my dad showed us how to swing the hammer down with the whole of our forearm, instead of just bending the swing at the wrist. By using the whole forearm to swing, we could knock most nails in with a single hit. As we worked, it was hard to think of anything else but what we might buy at Toys R Us that afternoon, with the money we made from the job. What could we get? Would there be any toys from that new Star Wars movie everyone was talking about? What about some new dominoes so we could build an even longer trail to knock down? the possibilities seem endless. As we worked, my dad started his stories again after some prompting for my brother and I. What was it like living at boarding school, Dad? We played a lot of games like hide and seek and kick the can. I loved those games, but my brother hated them. Why did he hate them, I asked? I don't know My John hated them, he just did. I always felt like if he liked those games more and played them with us, he would have not gotten killed in World War II. Uncle John was killed in World War II, my brother asked. We were nailing the ends of the tar paper down, making sure to pull it straight so that it left no creases where rainwater could slip inside. In Belgium, my dad said, in 1944, he was killed by a sniper. He won a silver star for bravery. I stopped to think about that. I once had an uncle named John. He was my dad's brother. He died 26 years before I ever had a chance to meet him. We finished laying the tar paper down in a couple hours and it was time to roll out the actual roofing tile and nail it down. My dad rolled out the long strips of tile on the driveway and measured them. He cut them with a large pair of shears, rolled them back up, and had my brother and I carry them up the stairs to the back back. We spread tar down, then my dad laid them long ways across the garage roof, and we all helped nail them down. We made sure that to overlap them so water rolling down the roof would not fall between the cracks. "'Did you fight in World War II, Dad?' I asked him. "'No, no, no. I was in the Army, but I didn't fight. "'I was only 17, so I lied about my age to join up. "'I was in the 10th Mountain Division. "'We were sent to Italy. "'Our troops were getting mowed down in the mountains, "'and our turn was coming up. "'The night before, they were going to send our entire unit to the front, "'I snuck out with some guys, and we got caught. "'They sent us back behind the lines, and I never saw any action. "'Oh,' I replied. "'It was the only thing I could get out.'" Dad showed us how to line up the nails and space them out to get just enough coverage while also making them look uniform. Since the tiles were thicker than the tar paper, hammering the nails took two or three tries with a hammer. But after I got the hang of it, it became a two-step process. Start the nail with the tap while holding it, let go, and slam the nail down with a good wallop using the forearm approach. The feeling of the nails going through the tile, paper, and into the wood was intensely satisfying. Each one like a little accomplishment, like real work was getting done. As I hammered, I tried to fathom my dad's last burst of information. This is what it sounded like to me at seven years old. My dad was one day away from dying in World War II, and then by some random chance he was saved, and that's the only reason I exist now, up on this roof, hammering nails with him and my brother on this very day. Any slight change in what had occurred, An order that came a day late, a stray bullet, a torpedo from a submarine, and my dad would have ended up dead like his brother. None of this, not the hammer, the roofing tiles, my family, not even me would be here right now. The whole of the universe felt like it was suffocating at that moment. The world felt fragile, yet vast and lonely. Big things were out of my control. I wanted to scream. But before I could get out of sound, I felt the hammer in my hand and I looked at the roof we'd spent that weekend fixing. The image helped calm me down. I hammered in the nail I was holding in my hand, and then reached for another. We finished the roof by 4 o'clock in the afternoon that Sunday. My dad did not say anything directly to us, but I could tell he was happy with our work. We put in six more hours that day, which meant we had worked a total of 16 hours that weekend. At 50 cents an hour, that meant we each made $8. We put our tools in the garage, and my dad took us directly to his room, and he paid my brother and I immediately. He gave us each $8 in bicentennial quarters. Mom going to take us to Toys R Us now, my brother told my dad in an excited voice. My dad gave us both a concerned look. You worked hard for that money, he said. Don't let it burn a hole in your pocket. My brother and I didn't respond, but I stood there and looked at him. After a moment, he spoke. I have a migraine. That was our clue to leave his room. He laid down on his bed and closed his eyes. Turn off the light and shut the door when you leave, he instructed us. And so we did. Soon we were in my mom's Datsun 710 station wagon on our way to Toys R Us. I felt the stack of quarters in my pocket. I'd never had that much money in my entire life. It felt good and hefty. I slipped my hand between the quarters and let the cool metal discs fall between the spaces of my fingers. I'd never been to Toys R Us before with my own money to spend. I imagined all the wonderful things I could buy with my money, money I'd earned working with my dad and my brother. When we got to Toys R Us... I was overwhelmed by all the things on the shelves. The aisles were crammed to the ceiling with amazing looking boxes and packages. All of them made promises of the joy and fun they held inside. As I walked down each aisle, I kept my hand in my pocket, making sure the quarters were still there, making sure this all was still real. Thoughts swirled around my head. Did I really work all weekend to earn this money? Did we just retile the entire garage roof? We zigzagged down the aisles up one and down the other, looking at everything. The shelves are stacked with things I had only ever seen before in the Sears catalog. Art kits, woodworking sets, erector sets, chemistry sets, rows and rows of die-cast cars, playsets, G.I. Joe and Barbie dolls, plastic soldiers, stacks and stacks of board games and too many other wonderful things to fathom. We turned down the sporting goods aisle and looked at the bikes and fiberglass skateboards. Most everything was more expensive than the $8 I had in my pocket, but the possibility of all was still thrilling. Then, next to the roller skates, I saw a pair of ice skates, on clearance, because they were far out of season. The ice skates reminded me of the pond at Manny at school, and how my dad probably never had $8 in his pocket when he was a kid, how he probably never worked all weekend with his dad and his brother, and how he probably never took a trip to a store like Toys R Us with his mom. More thoughts swirled around my head. My dad really did live at a boarding school when he was four years old. My Uncle John really did die from a German sniper in World War II. I found myself getting less and less enthusiastic about spending my money. But I couldn't leave empty handed. In the back of Toys R Us we found the bargain aisle. Lots of old toys with orange Toys R Us price tags slashed with a red marker and new prices scribbled on. My dad loved bargains. He told us all the time to search for quality things at good prices. The bargain aisle in a toy store was his type of place. My brother and I looked up and down the aisle until we found a couple of pretty cool toys for cheap, a cardboard Planet of the Apes playset, and an 8-inch Wild Bill Hickok cowboy action figure. Together, they cost a $1.50 plus tax. They were also things that I thought my dad would like and approve of. We had watched Planet of the Apes together on TV, and he loved cowboys more than almost anything else in the world. We showed the toys to my mom and she agreed that they looked like they were good for their price. My brother and I bought one of each and left the store. When we got home, my dad was asleep with a migraine in his room. My brother and I opened our toys on the living room floor and played with them for the rest of that Sunday until it was time to take a bath and watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. When my dad emerged from his room just before bedtime, we showed him the action figures and playsets we had bought with the money we had earned over the weekend. His migraine had broken and I saw a rare smile on his face as my brother and I showed him our purchases. It's from Planet of the Apes, and it only costs 50 cents, my brother told him, as he looked over the cardboard Apes Fortress. Not bad, he said, nodding his head and pushing his lower lip out to show that he approved. And this is Wild Bill Hickok, I said as I raised my new action figure in the air. He only cost a dollar. Very good purchases, boys, he told us, and the best part is, you have most of your money left over for another day. Within a couple years, those cardboard playsets and eight-inch action figures were just a memory. The plan of the Apes' fortress got mixed with Hot Wheels, Tinker Toys, Erector Set pieces, and beams from a girder and panel set. The Apes got lost and broken. The cardboard snaps that held the walls together stopped connecting. While Hickok, who was also joined shortly after by Cochise and Davy Crockett, also from the bargain bin. Lost his weapons, and then lost his place in my heart, which soon had only room for Star Wars, Lego, and Atari. The Builders Emporium is gone now, sent to Chapter 11 many years ago by the likes of Home Depot and Lowe's. The Toys R Us is also gone, closed many years ago to make way for a mall expansion. An expansion for a mall that now no longer exists either. The tile roof on the garage is gone too, as is the garage, our tiny house, and the back back torn down to be replaced by a suburban mansion and my dad is gone but i still have the stories of his youth his brother and world war ii and still find myself thinking about them almost every day the hammer though is still with me it hangs in my garage as i write this waiting to be used on my next project the same hammer my dad bought for me one summer day so we could fix the garage roof together over a long hot and unforgettable weekend in 1977 the claw hammer my dad gave me when I was seven years old. data, V blank A. An 8-Bit
1: Rocket Studios production.